Here's the thing. A once-born man dies twice, but a twice-born man only dies once. You determine whether you're going to be a once-born person or a twice-born person. But if you reject Christ and you reject Christ and you reject Christ, one day you're going to find yourself as a once-born person dying twice. And in the lake of fire, you're going to wish you had never been born ever the first time. But you don't have to be a once-born person dying twice. You can rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years. Choice is yours. What are you going to do? There is Jesus told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, as we look around at what's going on in our world today, we might say, is God's will really being done on earth as it is in heaven? This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. Thank you for joining us for the last message in Pastor Jeff's timely Future Shock series. The message today, part two of Crown Him with Many Crowns. There truly is a day coming when Jesus Christ will rule from planet Earth, and then God's kingdom will be done on Earth as it is in heaven. Today, Pastor Jeff will explain how it will end and the glory to come. But today's message offers a pretty sobering truth for us. If you missed any of these nine messages that we've aired all this month, you can listen again online at fromhisheart.org. There, too, you can download a free MP3 of any broadcast and also the sermon outlines from Pastor Jeff. Now, this complete unedited series is available as our special gift of thanks for your support of any amount, and it's available on DVDs, CDs, USB flash drive, or an immediate MP3 download. You can find out more about that when you go to fromhisheart.org. Right now, open your Bible to Revelation chapter 20, as Pastor Jeff explains why we will all crown him King of Kings. Now, I want you to notice with me seven characteristics of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ when his kingdom comes to this earth. First characteristic, there will be no devil. King Jesus will deal with the devil. Revelation chapter 20, I'll begin reading in verse 1. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he should deceive the nations uh, no longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. The devil is a deceiver. The Bible makes that clear. He deceives the, the nations. He deceives the whole world. But during the millennial kingdom, he's not going to be allowed to deceive any longer. And nor will his demonic forces be allowed to deceive any longer. The Lord takes that out of the way. Second characteristic of this millennial kingdom is judgment. King Jesus will judge the nations. Matthew chapter 25 says this, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats 
and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Who comes into the millennial kingdom? Only sheep. Only those who are righteous. And so at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, there are two groups of people there. There are glorified saints, those who went up in the rapture, those, as we're going to see in a moment, who are resurrected, who were righteous, the Old Testament saints, and those who were killed during the tribulation because of the testimony of Jesus, they're raised up and they're glorified. You have glorified saints and you have human saints, and they populate the kingdom. And it starts out, everyone loves the Lord and believes in the Lord, but it doesn't end that way. So, First characteristic, no devil. Second characteristic, judgment. Third characteristic, it's very festive during this thousand-year reign. King Jesus will enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. John, in Revelation chapter 19, he was told by the angel, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready and it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous act of the saints. And he said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb and the marriage supper, the, the feast lasts for the millennial kingdom for 1,000 years. Then, characteristic number four, you have his reign. King Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is his favorite place. He loves Jerusalem. He chose Jerusalem. The scripture says in Micah chapter four, and many nations will come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us about his ways and that we may walk in his paths for from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That's gonna be headquarters one day. Now, what will his rule be like? His rule will be perfect and just. Well, when the Lord, the Lord is the perfect king. He is the holy God. There is no unrighteousness in him. And when he sets up shop on planet earth and it's his kingdom and it's his rule, it will be perfect and it will be just. And there will be no broken campaign promises and there'll be no injustice and there's no graft and there's no corruption under the table. It is perfect and just and his rule will be sovereign. Sovereign, what does that mean? It means he rules everything. He rules everything. He's over everything. Nobody in the thousand years ever says, well, I think I'm going to run against Jesus this election. That doesn't work like that. There are no elections because the scripture says that Jesus rules with a rod of iron. Now, I don't think that means that everywhere he goes, he's got this rod of iron. You know, he's just like walking by, bashing you on the head. Not like that. It just means that his rule is complete and it's swift and sure. And if you get out of line, you're going to know it because he's going to let you know. He's not going to put up with uh, any funny business, any shenanigans. He's not going to put up with uprisings in this part of the world or that part of the world. You're not going to have that stuff because he will deal with things swiftly and surely. The scripture says in Psalm 66, verse 3, because of the greatness of your power, your enemies will give feigned obedience to you. Not everybody's going to like the rule of Jesus, 
as the kingdom goes on. Everybody at the first of the kingdom, everyone loves the Lord and believes in the Lord, but we're gonna see in a moment that that doesn't stay that way because those human beings in the kingdom have kids and those kids 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 have to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and not all of them do it. But I'll tell you one thing that they do is if there's rebellion in their hearts, it's quiet rebellion. They'll give fake obedience to the Lord. Why? Because he rules with a rod of iron. And if you get out of line, there is going to be a consequence to pay. So Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem. Characteristic number five, you and I are going to reign with him. King Jesus will allow his saints to reign with him. Revelation chapter 20, verse four. John says, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead or upon their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. You notice how many times he says a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. Isn't it amazing how theologians can look at that and say, well, I don't think he means a thousand years. How else could he say it? If it doesn't mean a thousand years, what does it mean? Of course it means a thousand years. Sometimes people are too smart for their own good. You know, I just look at the Bible and I think this is a good way to look at the Bible. Take the Bible for what it says. Now, there's certain things, obviously, especially in Revelation, there's certain things that, that don't mean that. They're, they're symbols, but you find out what the symbol means. Like the devil is a dragon. He's not a dragon. He's dragon-like. The Antichrist is a beast. Well, he's not a beast. He's beast-like. And so you got to learn, okay, what, what, this is a symbol of something, but when the Bible gives us time periods, those are not symbolic. Those, uh, if they're symbolic, how would you ever figure out any of those things? So a thousand years means a thousand years. And he says in the scriptures that we read that there are going to be thrones and people are going to sit on those thrones. It says in Daniel that the Jews are going to sit on those thrones. Jesus said in the gospels that the disciples were going to sit on thrones. Obviously, we as the bride of Christ, we would sit on thrones and rule and reign with him. And so in verse four, those who died during the tribulation period, and there'll be many, many believers in Christ who died during the tribulation period, had their heads cut off because they wouldn't receive the mark of the beast. They are raised to life at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, and they rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. They're priests, and they reign. Priests are people who take others to God, and they're, they're going to be people, and we're going to be there leading people to the Lord. We had talked about the mark of the beast, and uh, one of the things that I had mentioned, it bears repeating, if you're in this room and you don't trust Christ and you miss the rapture, it's going to be really hard to get saved. But hear me, do not ever, ever, ever take the mark of the beast. If you take the mark of the beast, you for sure will go to hell. You for sure will go to hell. Because those who take the mark of the beast, they give their allegiance to the devil. They sell their soul, so to speak, to the devil. And it mentions that in verse four. These are those who did not worship the beast or his image, and they did not receive the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand. And so they rule with him, and we rule with him. 
and they're glorified and we're glorified and the Old Testament saints who are raised from the dead are glorified and blessed are those who have part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. You say, what's the second death? He says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, that the second death is the lake of fire. That's eternal hell, the second death. And so here you have the picture. Jesus comes and he sets up his rule and reign in Jerusalem and he allows his saints to rule and reign with him. And it's perfect. We, we don't rule and reign on our own. We rule and reign with his authority and with his mind and his heart. And everything is done perfectly. It's perfect government and perfect justice. And characteristic number six, heaven comes to earth. King Jesus will bring heaven to earth. What's life going to be like during the millennial kingdom? Man, it's going to be so awesome. Beyond anything your mind can comprehend, awesome. Now, one of the first things that happens during the millennial kingdom is the curse that was put on the ground when Adam and Eve sinned, that's removed. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that the anxious longing of the creation of God awaits eagerly the revealing of the sons of God because then it can be set free from the bondage that it's been in. Do you remember what life was like, as we read in Genesis, before Adam and Eve sinned? I mean, it was, it was wonderful. You know how Adam farmed? He just kind of tickled the soil a little bit and everything grew. I mean, it was just like there were no thorns. There were no thistles. There, there were there's no problems with animals. You didn't have to worry about, ah, there's a lion, let's head for the hills. Wasn't anything like that. You didn't have to worry about animals because animals didn't hurt you. Ants didn't bite. Neither did mosquitoes. I mean, it was just, they just buzz around. Oh, that's kind of a cool little creature. Uh, there was nothing, anything that would hurt. And the Lord says that when he sets up his kingdom, the curse will be removed from the earth. And the prophecy of Isaiah says that in that day, the desert will bloom like the rose. All of a sudden, deserts don't, they're not deserts anymore. They're like the Garden of Eden. Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 36, 35, that the desolate land will be like the Garden of Eden. Everything is going to change, and the, the system of the animal kingdom is going to change. And the scripture says this, and the wolf will dwell with the lamb. Well, how did, does that happen today? No, the wolf eats the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox and the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. I don't think I'd want to do that. But anyway, you might want to do that in that day. And the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den and they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Nothing hurts in the millennial kingdom. You know what you have in the millennial kingdom? You have perfection. There is peace and there is joy because in his presence, there is joy forever and everything is just perfect. Scripture says in Isaiah chapter two, they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Just a peaceful time. And people aren't going to die in that day. You know, in Old Testament times, you read about people living to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old, and you're like, good night. What did Adam look like when he was 900? Can you imagine? He probably looked pretty good uh, because it was totally different back then. Methuselah, 969 years old. And the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 20. No child will die in infancy. Everyone will live to a ripe old age. Anyone 100 years old will be considered young. 
and to die younger than that will be considered a curse. How many in here under 100? You're young, young. Some of you in your 90s, you're just a pup. Uh, you know, in that day, there's, there's no pain in childbirth during the millennial kingdom. And there's a thousand years. And so even if you have just a small amount of human beings that go into the millennial kingdom, when he separates the sheep from the goats, maybe you have, let's say you have 100,000 sheep that make it into the kingdom. I don't know how many they're going to be, but maybe I'll just pick a low number, 100,000. Of all the people, of 7 billion uh, on the world at the start of the tribulation, boom, now you're down. And so you have 100,000. In a thousand years, with no death and no pain in childbirth and no sickness, Think how many kids can be born. I mean, one of the big things for women not wanting to have more kids is, is it's painful. You take that out of the, the equation. And so people will be having lots and lots and lots of kids. And their kids have kids and their kids have kids and their kids have kids. And every one of those kids has to come to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. They're just like it is today. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean your kid's a Christian. Your kid has to put his faith. My three daughters, they had to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They, I couldn't make the decision for them. During the millennial kingdom, you can't make the decision for people. And so here they are, and they're born, and Jesus is there. You can go to Jerusalem and see him, and they still have to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And characteristic number seven, it's almost amazing to say it, but it's true. There's going to be a final rebellion, and King Jesus will deal with a final rebellion. Verse seven and when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, just a reference to the nations, to gather them together for the war. The number of them, now watch this, the number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, here's the thing that will blow you away when you get your mind wrapped around it. People are living in the millennial kingdom. There is perfect everything, perfect peace, perfect prosperity, perfect weather. The lion lays down with the lamb. The animals don't hurt. The people don't lack for anything. There is no sickness there's just provision everywhere. There's peace and there's joy and there's prosperity. And it's the most wonderful thing that anybody could imagine. Environment is great. Can't get any better. And when the Lord releases the devil, the deceiver, he's been out of the picture for a thousand years, the tempter. Just because the devil's gone doesn't mean people don't sin. They still sin because people have a sin nature but they don't have a tempter there during those thousand years, so things are a lot different. But when the Lord releases him from the abyss, from the bottomless pit, he goes out and he gathers to himself through the nations people who want to rebel against Jesus Christ like the sand on the seashore for number. Wow. Why would they do that? Here's the thing. It's not because they don't realize who Jesus is. How do you not know who he is? You can see him. You can go to him. You can hear him. They know that he is God. They just don't want to serve him. During the millennial kingdom, they'll know that Jesus is God, but they'll say, no, God, I don't want you, God. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 19 about a nobleman who went to receive a kingdom, and then he was going to come back to his own kingdom, and uh, his citizens sent a delegation after him, and they said this. It says they hated him, and they said these words, we do not want this man to rule over us. 
And that's what will happen during the millennial kingdom. At the end of the whole thing, Satan is released at the end of the thousand years and he gathers all these probably young people because if you live to be 100 and you haven't trusted Christ, he kills you. And so probably younger folks, and they all gather together like the sand of the seashore to say, we're not going to have that man be ruler over us. We don't want to submit to him. And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that men who reject Christ, they receive not the love of the truth so as to be saved, but they took pleasure in wickedness. It's never a choice between truth and error in a man's heart, a woman's heart, a boy's heart, a girl's heart. Never a choice between truth and error. It's always a choice between truth and sin. And they received not the love of the truth so as to be saved, but they took pleasure in wickedness. We don't want this man to rule over us. A perfect world with a perfect God who loves them with joy, with peace, with prosperity. And they say, no, I'd rather have my sin and I'm going to join forces with the dragon to overthrow you. Amazing. But that's how it happens. And fire comes down from heaven and devours them. And it's over. And the devil is thrown into the lake of fire. And then there is the second resurrection. The resurrection of the wicked. The resurrection of all those who rejected Christ. And they're thrown into the lake of fire. Now I'll close with this. The Bible speaks of two births and two deaths. First birth is physical birth. Everybody knows about the first birth. The second birth is spiritual birth. Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. But the Bible also talks about two deaths. The first death is physical death. We all know about physical death. The second death is eternal death. It's death in the lake of fire. The second death is hell forever and ever and ever. And here's the thing. A once born man dies twice, but a twice-born man only dies once. You determine whether you're going to be a once-born person or a twice-born person. But if you leave this place and you reject Christ and you reject Christ and you reject Christ, one day you're going to find yourself as a once-born person dying twice. And in the lake of fire, you're going to wish you had never been born ever the first time. But you don't have to be a once-born person dying twice. You can be a twice-born person who is raised up in the blessed and holy first resurrection as it talks about in verse 6. And you can rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years. The choice is yours. What are you going to do? Are you beating yourself up over your past sins and failure? You can make the necessary amends when you repent with a genuine heart and surrender it all to Christ. Receive His grace and know that He doesn't have any condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. You can find out more about what this means when you go to fromhisheart.org. Click the Why Jesus link for some free downloads to help you in your new journey. Today's lesson was called Crown Him King of Kings, the last in nine messages from Pastor Jeff's series, Future Shock, What in the World is Going On? And along with that series, We'll send you Pastor Jeff's booklet, How Near is the End? Both resources, our gift to you to say thanks for your support this month of any amount. Again, you can go to fromhisheart.org or call 866-40-BIBLE. We also hope that when you visit our website, you'll sign up for Pastor Jeff's weekly Real Hope email encouragement letter. You can become a friend of the ministry on our social media channels. Plus, you can download a free MP3 of today's message or 
any of the messages that we've aired this month. The web address again, from fromhisheart.org. Just click the Listen tab. Thank you for joining us today on From His Heart. I'm Larry Nobles, trusting you'll be here tomorrow and Friday as we close out this week of prophecy with a straightforward but sobering lesson that'll explain exactly how near we are to the end. That's Thursday, here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember that no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out about that. Go to fromhisheart.org.